I think about having kids. I'd love to have some kids. I've been thinking about kids. I want to have like 19 kids. I think naming them, that's going to be fun. Whatever the names that you come up with, that's exciting right there. You get to both decide, hey, do you want to name that? No, I don't like that name. Right? It's like a little game you try to come up. I already have names picked out. I don't even know. First kid, boy, girl, I don't care. The first one that comes out, I'm naming it. I think it's beautiful. It's feminine but strong at the same time. Time for bed. I said time for bed. No cookies. I'm going to name a group of my kids after my favorite cartoon. I'm going to name a bunch of them after Transformers. That'd be great. Oh, yeah. Just to be like, Optimus Prime, come here for a second. I want to talk to you. Come here. You sit next to Megatron. We're going to have a little chit-chat right here. Okay? I am the Cobra Commander in this... I said no cookies! This fucking... to have a bunch of kids and just abandon them somewhere just knock them out of the car I'm out what do you think they talk about podcast i'm your host gary hill uh my guest this time around is an old guest not really an old friend but an old guest to this show i record with him every episode so far of the two drink minimum commentaries i record with him on the terror troop podcast and we get back on that horse the sausage fest reviews he's also on the weekly movie podcast i think it's called with jay of the dead ah mr Wildman willis how you doing sir I'm doing fine. I can't complain at all. Oh, boy. How's your week, man, so far? Well, it j- well, it's my second day in. It's all right. It's just 
Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday is the annoying days. Okay. Oh, so so yeah, I, I never do this, but we we everybody's seen this news story. <laughs> well, let's tell them what we're all laughing at. You know, this is pretty funny about this news story. Well, some crazy bitch out there then had the nerd to do a pull a total recall and put an extra titty in the middle of her chest. Oh man! No, no, no. What they use to to make this third titty is it like silicone or like to take part of fat from another from the part of her body or what they use? They ain't say all of that. They just said that nobody wanted to do it. She had to go to fifty doctors until somebody actually was stupid enough to do it. And twenty thousand dollars later, she got herself a third titty with no nipple that she had to get tattooed on on there to make it look like she got a nipple <laughs> tattooed franken titty that, that 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 uh that blows my mind that women be women can be so <laughs> made and i don't know why they would want the third titty for but uh this story i thought needed to be talked about because you know from a male point of view you almost want to give it a jiggle but you know i don't know if you do you want to touch franken titty you want to touch franken titty Hell no, I won't f- touch Franken Titty. That shit is just disturbing. <laughs> On so many levels, it's so wrong. And the only reason why she's doing this is because she want to have her own reality TV show. Well, she called Franken Titty, though. It will no, it won't be. <laughs> I would not watch that show unless it was called Franken Titty. <clears throat> oh, boy. But, um, yeah. Have you watched anything uh, good this week at all? Uh, what's the last interesting thing I watched. I watched Captain America 2 over again in 3D. Nice. And the pay-per-view last night was pretty decent. Yeah. 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 I, I thought the main event kind of shit the bed myself, but the Divas match was good, and the Jericho Orton match was good. The match of the night was the Sheamus and Zazaro match to me. Yeah, I gotta watch that still. And, I, and- I caught about an hour in. That's when I started to watch it. And the Dust Brothers got the belt, so I was glad about that. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. As far as I go, I haven't watched a whole lot. I got a show scheduled through Saturday, so I'll be pretty burned out by Sunday. So that's uh, going to be a thing, people. And I went to see Tusk. Tusk, yeah. Tell the folks about Tusk, man. I've been interested to hear somebody's point of view about that. It was some wild-ass shit in that movie. I got to say, Michael Parks played his role, but the only thing that screwed me up was the middle of the movie because of a certain person showing up, added a tone that didn't need to be in the tone. But I guess if they would have showed him, would have showed the Tusk creature too much in the movie, you would have got desensitized by seeing it after a while. It laughed a little bit, too, because yeah. it's a man walrus, you know. But, you know, when I heard about this, all I could think about was that scene in The House of Thousand Corpses where they turned Rain Wilson into Fish Boy. Uh, but it's looked ten times worse than that. I can tell you that much. <laughs> He's like a Jacques Cousteau fellow, right? He, like, was living with the walruses or something like that? What happened was he was, um, said that he was on the boat with Hemingway, and he was like an explorer and he, his boat crashed and the walrus saved him but there's a twist in there that I don't want to ruin for people gotcha. to go see the movie and you can understand the reason why he went the way he went okay that's wacky you know 
it's really wacky. Is like you're laughing at a Kevin Smith thing. They dropped uh, Kevin. It was it um Jay and Silent Bob super groovy cartoon movie on Netflix. Uh huh. They did. Oh yeah, they got so many voices in there. Where you got Mark Hamill in there playing. Uh, I forget who plays in there, but uh, he doesn't play Cockknocker. Tara Strong plays Cockknocker in a hilarious way. Oh wow! And uh, they got MC Chris does all the music for the movie. So if you like MC Chris, you can you can listen to the soundtrack to that movie. You'll probably enjoy yourself. Mm-hmm. If you know who that is, he's the one that does uh the Aqua Teen, MC Pans, I Want Candy, Bubba <laughs> Gum and Taffy, you know stuff like that, you know. And of course, uh, the awesome Star Wars song Fets Vet. If you've ever heard that before. Yeah, crazy ass show. My backpacks got jets, 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 jets. <laughs> I love that song. I don't know what it is. It's so silly, but I love it. But that movie is fucking crazy. My, my friend watched it like 12 times already because he thought it was so funny. Oh, wow. I need to sit down and watch it then because I missed them. They actually had a live show of them showing the movie and doing Q&A, and I missed it. Yeah, you know, those are always fun, the Q&As. He, he, he puts on good ones, Kevin Smith does. As much as a, as a blowhard people think he is, he knows how to talk to his fans, and he appreciates his fans. And I got to appreciate a guy like that who does all that and – Yep, especially because he was the one to ask the people if he wanted Tusk to be made or not, because he said if people didn't say they wanted to see it, he wouldn't br- brought it out. It was based on a dare. You know, people were like, oh, wow, why are you making a dumb walrus movie? It's <laughs> like, well, if you listen to the shows, to, to, to this podcast, you know, he, he made it based on a dare. Yeah. It's like, hey, dare me to make this movie. He's like, okay. And then <laughs> they made the movie. And then there, there you go. Yeah. And um, people uh, are really surprised when that happened. But people are like, yeah, well, if you got if you got the money for it, and you know mm-hmm. you, you don't want to crowdfund it, which he didn't crowdfund, which you, you could have really crowdfunded this movie, right? But he did crowdfund it, and uh, he made it, and he put it out in theaters. Yeah, in like six thousand theaters. I was really surprised he got that many theaters to put this movie out. It was only six hundred and eighty. Six hundred eighty theaters. We're still. Mm-hmm. You think it would have been like 200 theaters and it'd be like all art houses, like I think like travel far, but there's pretty close theaters to me that have it playing. I was surprised how many theaters in the area around me was playing it, and they were showing several showings of it. It just wasn't like three or four during the day. It was about maybe like five or six. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to go um, probably this week sometime to go see Tuscan. I'll let, uh, I'll let the bird know what I think about it, basically, you know? <laughs> Um, yeah, we, uh, picked two movies for tonight. They're both alien films in, in a lot of ways, in a lot of senses. One of them is one of Willis's Bane films, because he said it scared the crap out of him when he was little and still scares him today, so. And not a movie in the traditional sense, like, wow, that's some scary shit. But the fact that we're going to talk about E.T. is, uh, going to gonna blow your blow some minds, people, you know, and, uh... <laughs> And uh, the other film we're going to do is a film that Will- I know Willis loves because he's very biased when it comes to these kind of movies. Uh, the, he doesn't say he is, but I know he loves these, which being uh, Transformers Dark of the Moon from 2011. And uh, yeah, we'll get right into that Transformers debacle right after the trailer. Space race of the 1960s was in response to an event. I got it. If you 
you breathe a word of what you've seen here, it will do time for treason. Everything humans know of our planet, we were told had been shared. You lied to us. You've made a grave mistake. took over the planet. You'll be fine. I promise you. It's over. I'm sorry, but it's over. faith in us, but never in yourselves. From here, the fight will be your own. Uh, Transformers Dark of the Moon from 2011 uh plot synopsis is this the autobots learn of a cybertronian cybertronian spacecraft that's a word there hidden on the moon and race against the decepticons to reach it and learn its secrets and uh yeah that's about the plot of this movie plus some other stuff that you know whatever now willis we, we did uh show way back we did transformers the movie from from 84 which I think is the only good Transformers film, but uh, that's that's just me, you know. But it's, it's uh, uh, tell the folks why this one is so good. Cause it correct all the mistakes and the racial shit that they had in the second movie, and it was a more serious tone, and it wasn't as jokey as that second one. That second one is a a hard watch. I don't go back to the second one at all. Of course, you have. Everybody, everybody, mostly coming back, with your exception of you know your pair of breasts with a personality in a lot of ways, replaced by a new pair of breasts with no personality. Hmm. You know that 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 chicky that um, <laughs> forget her name already. See, she's not that important. Right. What's, well, I, I'm glad she was in the movie because that was a character off of the original cartoon. Well, yeah, though you got that going for you. See, so you, you got that knowledge. I don't have that knowledge. But I just think she was kind of useless. That's my biggest problem with this film. They have a lot of great actors actors in the film that are are uh, great actors, but useless in this film. Like, what the fuck are they? It's, it's like, what the fuck is Anthony Quinn doing in Last Action Hero? Nobody knows. He's just there. It's like, I needed the paycheck. And this is one of those paycheck-type movies, with the exception of John Turturro, who's been in all these, who's pretty, pretty funny. Is that your conspiracy theory government crazy man, you know? But you got characters in this movie that are just, oh, this is dreadful. 
I mean, you, you could take Patrick Dempsey out of this film and cut it down 45 minutes, and I'd be a much happier man. I mean, I, I liked I liked the stuff you know about them like having like Decepticons taking over humans like like a body snatchers type deal like do our bidding or we're, we're literally gonna attach ourselves to you and make you do our bidding. I thought that was neat. With the shot, with the um, part what, when they did that to Sam. Yeah, they did it to Sam. They did it to to the Ken Jeong character, which was kind of stupid in that part. And you know, like, well, let's put him in the in the men's stall. He looks like he's giving him a blowjob. And then you know that that's your comedy aspect, I guess. No, nah, he wasn't being controlled by them. He was running from um Laserbeak because Laserbeak was in the office. He was the um the um copy machine in the computer. He's still telling him what to do, though. But then there was that scene where you know he's he's not now he's got to be controlled by Laserbeak, but he's in the men's stall with him, and then he he hilariously comes out with his pants down when when John Malkovich, who plays Sam's boss in the movie, walks up. It's <laughs> like oh, he was blowing him in the men's toilets. That's hilarious, you know, because that's what you want in the Transformers movie blowjob jokes. You know? Well, you know it's Michael Bay. He got to throw something stupid in there. Well, you know the thing about Michael Bay is this movie was made for about two hundred million, and it made a, it made a bunch of money. Shame on you people, you know, just throwing it out there, you know. But he made Painting Gate at twenty five million, and it's ten times a better movie than this. But movie. it's a whole different genre, oh, a whole but different ball game. But I'm saying is he could do it better with with a lot less money. And Pain and Gain, although it is a controversial film, and people complain like, well, it's real funny, asshole. He's killing people, and everybody's making a joke about it. Blah, 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 blah. But guess what? It's, it happened. It's, it's, it happened. And it's his finest hour as far as film goes, in my opinion. It's, it's much like Spike Lee. His smaller stuff is better to me. Right. Like, if I watch, like, tw- 25th Hour, which I think is Spike Lee's best movie ever, I, I think that, that's, that that movie that not a lot of folks know about... It's his best movie ever. And that, that might be controversial. Like, oh, no, do the right thing is his best movie ever. Which, you know, I could say, yeah, it's better than 25th Hour. But, you know, even then, he made it not a lot of money. He was, he was a young filmmaker, put doing his thing. And, you know, even then, 25th Hour was not a big production, but it had a lot of big stars in it. And it was really entertaining. But I'm getting way off topic. Basically, you know, Michael, <laughs> Michael Bay with a big budget, people would think he's got awful and people – despise Michael Bay. I'm not one of those people. I found some merit in this movie a little bit. I can, I can enjoy the locations. The locations were spot on because they were all over the place in this movie. That was in your neck of the woods. Yeah, they were. My, my friend's baby sister was, uh, you don't see her that much, but she was in the movie. She, she was in the, as one of the extras. And, uh, yeah, they, they, those scenes are cool. The scenes in Moscow were cool. All the location shit was pretty excellent in this movie. It's just the plot of it, you know. I I I like certain points of the plot. Like I don't like certain points of the plot. Pot, 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 pot. Uh, <laughs> the stuff, the the whole thing, the whole spiel at the beginning about how they they built the space race around them going to find this 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 ship on the moon. You know, the the problem with the they 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 overanalyze things with the series. You know, with with the the first series, you had the really simple thing of. The Decepticon, I mean, the, the the Autobots fleeing, fleeing uh, Cybertron during their 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 battle, and they crash land on Earth, and you know, years later, years later, years later, they 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 start to reboot themselves, if I remember correctly, right, and then they they turn themselves into modern cars rather than you know the other cars, 
Right. And then, you know, they had the whole thing where the whole show is basically about them finding energy to get back to Cybertron. And to sell toys. And to, and to sell toys. That was that was a plot point by the by the by the big wigs though, to sell toys. <laughs> and they did that well. They they sold a lot of toys, you know. Uh-huh. Much more than today. People think, oh, toys are a big market. No. Well you you got shows like Massey Universe and G.I. Joe where the toy line came first and then they built a show out of it. Right. You know, that's 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 a different ball game, you know. Yeah. I mean, they did a really, really interesting interview with Paul Dini on one of Kevin Smith's shows. I'm going back to Kevin Smith again, where uh, he talked about working on those old shows, on the old filmation stuff, and on G.I. Joe, where they basically he said, okay, here's a toy, now write a storyline around it, you know? Right. And that's how they did cartoons back in those days. And it's really strange to think like that, but, you know, it's like, here's a toy, be creative, you know? <laughs> What do I name this one? Stinkor. Okay, you know. <laughs> he stinks. He stinks, yeah. That's that's his only power. And you I know. have him. <laughs> and he still stinks. Because <laughs> we all love a good fart show. Look at Mystery Men, you know. Paul Rubens plays a character called the Spleen, who his power is that he farts and knocks people out, you know. <laughs> and it's hilarious, you know. Oh, man. Yeah, but this one, yeah, I don't like I don't like Sam's whole deal in this movie. In the first two movies, it seemed like he really had a purpose. Like, you know, he's really going to come help the Autobots save the day and all this good stuff. And and then he's just out there brooding for the first hour of this movie. It's like, oh, I got a medal for the president. I, I saved – you didn't save the world twice, asshole. You were just kind of there, okay? You, you were doing what Spike did on the TV show, but then Bumblebee just kind of hanging around, you know. <laughs> so it's was faithful to the source material. Yeah, I'm just saying, though, he's being a little brooding <laughs> dickhead for the first hour, like he actually done something to save the world, you know. Only thing he did in that first movie was he kind of, like, ran away from the Decepticons. He found, he found the, 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 the shard, which entered into to, to the box, and then that eventually brought Optimus Prime back to life. That's the biggest problem with this film series, I think, is they shit the bed too early. In that second film, you know, when they kill Optimus Prime, that that was the end of the, that was the end of the series, pretty much. Right? Like, okay, we killed Optimus Prime. Where do we go from here? And, and every, they brought him back. I'm just saying this happens in every series. They bring him back. Yes. So <laughs> he's I'm just, Jesus. He is Jesus. These 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 robots are Jesus, man. <laughs> I mean, the whole the whole idea of the Ark, you know, them bringing, making the giant exodus for the for the Autobots to Earth to where they're gonna go, and <laughs> we need two of animal people come join the Ark, you know, and it's 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 oh, the Great Flood was coming to Cybertron people, and you know, <laughs> Sentinel Prime had to get on for the ride. Uh and that that rosy chick was pretty useless in this movie too. I I, I don't like her her deal. At least Megan Fox did some shit. This one was just kind of hanging. She was pulling a shy in the first half of this movie. She was just hanging around. Be- well, she was trying to tell Sam to stop whining about you just because you whatever you did in your past. Don't hold on to it. You need to go out there and do yourself for the future. And he kept on crying about he did this and that and nobody sees. I think that was kind of an allegory about how a lot of um, veterans feel. Oh, her, her character was pretty much summed up in the first 
not the first frame, but the first frame after all the the NASA shit that I'm gonna call the the the, the scenes where NASA took they they, they took a shell over NASA in the space race. You saw my all because all you see was her her and her panties. That's that's all you saw. That's the, that was the frame. You you, you seen the, the 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 upskirt shot of her ass shaking. But wearing the the man's shirt. Ooh, that's so cute when they wear the men's shirt and they they come, you know. And then, you know, she has uh, the giant bunny for, for some reason because she's too stupid to realize, well, it's for good luck. You know, you fucking retard. You really are a foreigner, aren't you? You know, because it's a rabbit's foot that he makes it a point to to say that uh, just just this part down here is the lucky <laughs> part. It's like, I'm going to take this fucking retard to the zoo. Chicks love the, the retards love the zoo, you know, shit like that, you know. But nobody really pays to see the human story. That's That's what you start with, though. You start with that. It's you, st- because... you start with the bootleg, the, the bootleg space race. You didn't start the first film with, with Megan Fox. You 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 were brought up to those titties and that ass, but which eventually became a personality. And then you know she actually did stuff. This one did nothing, but but try to fuck Patrick Dempsey. And I could tell she gave them big old come and fuck me eyes to every man in this film. You know if she's supposed to be Sam's girl and she didn't seem like Sam's girl to me. Like in like the first hour of this movie, she seemed like okay. I'm going to fuck my way to the top. Whereas, you know, Megan Fox seemed like that character that you can get behind because she's she's more stand by your man than this. I think this, you're this, the this, only. This, this pair of titties in a white dress, you know. I think you're the only person that like Megan Fox in that movie. She, she's, she's, <laughs> she's good in that movie. I like Jennifer's body. The, I like Jennifer's body, too. The unrated Jennifer's body is insane. I, I know. I, I own it. I love it. You know, people hate on that movie, and I will defend that movie. I tell you right now, if you guys listen to now, you don't like Jennifer's body, come on the show. I'll defend Jennifer's body. <laughs> I had a fun time with that one too. But it's a, it's a film about a succubus, and I can get behind that. You know. Uh huh. But moving on to about the human part, let's just put that to the side. Wasn't the action amazing? The action was cool looking. But when you when you have when you have action, now this is the main problem I have with movies like this, movies like this, movies like Mission Impossible Two, movies like Blade Two. When you have action with no substance behind it, I I, don't, I can't enjoy it. I can't enjoy it. It's just much like the Godzilla film where they had the human the human aspect was focused on a lot and it hurt the film because you saw about fifteen minutes of Godzilla, and you know the the fifteen minutes you saw was cool. But you needed more than the, the human aspect of it. But you know what would have happened with Godzilla if they showed him too much in the movie. You know exactly what everybody would say. Oh, I had too much Godzilla in the movie. Uh, you know how people are. And then this this one, you know, it, 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 just like in all of them, you know, Bumblebee in the first movie was kind of a bumbling idiot until the end, of course, when they gave him way too much to do. Mm-hmm. But as the films progressed, they gave him way too much to do, and they gave him way too much to do. When on that original series, he had one job to do. <laughs> Drive that, around Spike? Yes, that mangy-ass Volkswagen was supposed to go into the battlefield, pick up Spike, and run away. But he wasn't in, in the mo- movies. He's a badass cop. Um, what's that damn thing he is? Camaro. I don't care, though. Camaro? That's, that's not his character, though. That's not his character at all. Well, he didn't evolve over the years, so I don't gotta I don't gotta like it, Willis, is all I'm saying, okay? Especially especially in the comic book. He does much did much more in the comic book than he ever did on the cartoon. I mean the thing about this film and, and just like the other ones is 
I like the dumb stuff. Like the Totoro character. Like like the 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 wacky kookiness of Sam's parents. You know, because I, I like some Kevin Dunn in most anything, and the mom is pretty funny too, especially the second one where she eats the pot brownies. I, I <laughs> that get... was so funny, though. <laughs> that was funny to me, man. <laughs> it's always funny when old people, older people eat pot brownies to me on film, and I always get the giggles. And and uh, <laughs> but yeah, this movie uh, it didn't shit the bed, but like I said, it was a little long, and it, it is like the biggest waste of great actors ever. Like you, they put, got John Malkovich in the movie, they got Francis McDormand in this movie. John Turturro was a constant, so I can't complain about him because he's playing his role and playing his role well. Uh, who, who else is in this movie? That's uh, no, no. Nah, that's like the, that's like the two biggest offenses to me, and the fact that the Patrick Dempsey thing is played off way too much about him being an emissary to the Decepticons and blah 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 blah. Why the fuck would they need a human emissary if they're the fucking motherfucking Decepticons? Uh, uh, well. They did it in the cartoon too. They did. You know, they did in the cartoon. I don't, I don't gonna like it though. You know, it's it's. You know what this movie actually is? It's a three part episode of the original Transformers called The Ultimate Doom. If you want to see a better version of this story tale, watch that three part series, and it's basically the same thing. And told in about eighty minutes. Right. Yeah. So you think it's, it's got that going for it. It's already better. See. <laughs> even Michael Bay is admitting some of these Transformers movies is too long. He even starting to admit that. Yeah. All all, all along he's fucking laughing all the way to the bank. You know. Oh well. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not complaining. You know. Let let a player play. But you know, people who keep going out to go see these these action crazy pants epics. I I didn't see the last one. Not by choice. I just didn't go around to go see it. You know, because they made the Dinobots look kind of funky, in my opinion. But, you know, that's that's just me. I'm, I'm a simple person. I, I like my Autobots looking simple. I don't need I don't need them to RoboCop 3 Optimus Prime in this movie. That's another thing that pissed me off. What you mean? He didn't need to fly. He never needs to fly, okay? Oh, that's something that he's been doing for a while lately now. Flying, having jetpacks and he stuff. Does, that's... He doesn't need to fly. They have other Transformers for that that could fly. They've been they've been doing that for the, like the last fifteen years now. I mean, they they, they, they made Megatron fly in those movies. When you and I know in that original series, he had his bitch Starscream carry him along when he wanted to fly. You know, he, of course, you know he can't be a gun no more. So yeah, that's that's another thing. You know, it's real simple. They could pull this really this really cool plot. Now, this would be a great Transformers plot if he was able to become the gun, but not the gun. He could become like a like a doomsday device or something. I would love to see that plot, you know, where he could evolve into that. Like, wow, he could. Why turn, couldn't he, they make him look like the real Galvatron? That would have made more sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those were neat. The Galvatron scenes are pretty awesome to watch. Mm-hmm. The stuff where they—that's that, the one that was tearing through the buildings and stuff in Chicago, right? No, that was Soundwave. Yes, Dad. That's that's another problem I have. My beloved Soundwave, and it, 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 it which you know. I cried to the eighties and they were never going to do this. Now making transform into a ghetto blaster that have tapes shoot out of his belly. Cause it's so dated. It's not even funny, you know, but make him look something like Soundwave. Well, that, he is a product of his time. He was a cassette deck and nobody in the last 15 years know what cassette deck is. So that would have been kind of lame, but they did have an homage to him in the first one when frenzy turned into the boom box. Yeah. Yeah, they did. I'll give them that. 
that was an homage to it, but then you thought that was Soundwave, and then you know you were, you were confused all that much more. You know, so I wasn't because I knew what was going on before going into the movie. <laughs> yeah, but you're you're an avid Transformers fan, and people right. people know this. People know Willis loves the Transformers. This this isn't a secret. Willis is online doing his tour reviews. God bless you, Willis is heralding the flag for the Transformers series and all all their their glory. Which I think their finest hour was Beast Wars, if you ask me. You know, because <laughs> that's just it, amazing to watch. Still, yeah, that was the one that actually brought them back on the map because they were dormant for a long while until they brought out that cartoon and it proved that they could bring back the Transformers. Period, and that's what happened. Much like the but, real Autobots, they were dormant for a lot of years, and then <laughs> the Great Eye opened up, and hey, we brought the Ark to the moon. <laughs> Many moon ago. That's what I need. I need a racist Indian tra- uh, Autobot to just to, just to tell Autobot stories. Many moon ago, Optimus Prime came to save the world. You know. Don't you know we got problems with that about the damn Redskins? And it was good. You know. <laughs> <laughs> What's her name? Runs with Anus. <laughs> No, I, I wouldn't. That wouldn't be racist. I'm not, I'm not gonna brave star this show up, okay? But uh, <laughs> <laughs> although that could be a review for later, I love that brave, brave star movie. Yeah, I have all, I have all the episodes on DVD. You know, Mill Creek put out a nice little box set for that, so and I got it on the cheap. Yeah, you can get that on the cheap real easy. But uh, yeah, this movie to me, like I said, real long, real long. It's like two hours and forty minutes or something with with the credits, of course. I think one of the biggest problems with with this movie is this the guy who wrote the Scream two, three, and four wrote this movie, and I believe he wrote no, the guy that wrote Scream Scream three wrote two, three, and four of these movies actually, and there there's a problem right there, especially with Scream three, which which is an utter piece of garbage. I thought it was um, Kurtzman and Orsi that made these. No, the, the guy that wrote it wrote, wrote uh, two, three, and four wrote uh, wrote Scream three. Mm. Which which is a slasher, you know, and he did that. It was a. Uh, I, I just thought that it showed. It showed in the, in the script writing, you know, the way this movie went into, like you said, too many human relationships all at once. When this film, you know, much like much like Pacific Rim did for me, focused too much on the human aspect and not enough on monsters fighting monsters, and then you get that rosy bitch, and you get you get Patrick Dempsey. And you get John Malkovich, who I love at anything. He he was hamming up in this one, but then again, he was collecting a paycheck. And there's so many movies that he makes now, including like Warm Bodies, where he's just collecting a paycheck. Clearly, mm. like we need we need we need we need a guy. We need Malkovich. Okay, you pay me, I'll come see you. That's a terrible Malkovich impression. I typically probably do a way better one, but you know, but he has made some films. This film, Warm Bodies. There's some other ones too that he's made that have been questionable, but I can tell that you know. He's not quite Mel- he's not quite a Malcolm McDowell schedule, uh, a status yet where he's just collected a paycheck, but he's getting there. He's definitely getting there. It's really only shining films of the past, I don't know, six or seven years have been those red films <laughs> because he's just fucking crazy in them. You know, those the only reason those movies are any good is because not because of Bruce Willis, but because of the supporting cast around him. Colin Oh, ooh, yeah, that's that's my that's my dish right there, man. <laughs> I love that Silver Fox, man, you know? Oh, yeah, those movies are fun because of guys like Malkovich, and he was just hamming it up and not in a good way in this movie. 
and you know, Francis McDormand was like, you know, being the, the bitchy emissary to the Autobots. You're not going to do this. You're not going to bring, of course, weapons of mass destruction through your fancy Stargate thing. And, you know, and, uh, yeah, that was, that was, that was a cool aspect, I guess. Of course, you, spoilers, you get betrayal by Sentinel Prime because they have all these pieces that they, they, they didn't, they didn't want to even think about bringing this giant ro- omniscient, uh, robot being back from space. No, they just brought back some, some, some random items that they found inside the spacecraft. Because those, those people are freaking geniuses and, and NASA in the 60s, apparently, you know. <laughs> they didn't think about this giant robot-looking thing. They just wanted to, let's leave them on the moon. Maybe nobody will notice, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently, you know, they did notice. And then they, they he's he's there with his, which he looks very cool. I, I love I love the the beard, the, the, the Autobot beard on that guy. You talking about Sentinel Prime, Sentinel Lenin Prime. Nimoy? Yeah. <laughs> The Autobot beard is kind of amazing. He's all braided up like Gimli from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> and um, yeah, there, there's 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 shining moments in this movie. Um, tell the folks specific scenes you like about this movie. We're getting way deep in discussion about this one. I th- more than I thought we were going to. My part is when Optimus Prime came out with his trailer. Yeah, that, you did, you've that, seen that finally, and I I gotta commend him for that. That was something that I was glad to see, and it had a purpose because it it had his weapons on the back of it. Yeah, like like you do. Uh huh. And Cause it when, was because when, when it opened up, yeah, on the series, it had shit in there. It had it had stuff for him to use. You know, uh-huh. it, it had a purpose. And it also was his jetpack. It took him two year two movies to get to that though. I to even I show the trailer. I know, right? But at least they didn't have it do the Bobo move like the old cartoon when he transformed the trailer just go to nowhere and when he transformed back it just disappeared. It just come out of nowhere. At least they didn't do that dumb mess like on the cartoon. It just appeared from nowhere every time it transformed. You and I both know they animated those films, those cartoon shows on a dime back in the day. (laughs) And you you know, you, you had to expect stuff like that. I mean, I, I hear it on the filmation stuff. They used to use the same cells over and over again on the He-Man series half the time. Yes, they did. But the thing about the He-Man show was, even though that they used some of the same cells and stuff, there was no errors in that cartoon. Transformers had too many errors. I think that was the only cartoon that they had that had errors of Transformers. Because G.I. Joe ain't never had no errors on that cartoon. It was just was Transformers. Just a lot of racist characters on G.I. Joe. Not really, though. Maybe, maybe Spirit. I brought up American Indians earlier, but Spirit was pretty hard of the buffalo. You know, shit like that, you know. And, uh, <laughs> he had a fucking eagle, for Christ's sake, you know. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> Just like, yeah, I'm American, and I'm an Indian. You see the eagle? Kimasabi? <laughs> they did everything but call him Kimasabi. I was waiting for it one day, just for that one. This is an especially racist episode of G.I. Joe. <laughs> hey there, Kimasabi. And why all the Asians had to know how to know karate? Because it was the 1980s. <laughs> it's not. It's not racist if it's the 1980s. The 80s. <laughs> they all have the power of Bolo Young. Okay. <laughs> they can all break your your your, your shoulder with one punch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think I said my 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 whole schmeal on this movie. W- watch it. It's exciting. But you know, they they if they made some some key cuts, like Patrick Dempsey's whole part, and they just made it about the Autobots versus the Decepticons and betrayal 
and you know all kinds of cool stuff like that, it would have been a much better movie. Probably been the best movie of the series, in my opinion. You know the reason why this happens because they figured that audience are too stupid enough to accept a whole movie with nothing but robots. In it. Oh, they are. They are. I mean, if, if if you look at it, if you look at the, the previews, the way they market these these trailers, especially movies like this. You'll know in the first thirty seconds if you're going to go see this movie or not, and they right. they, they did that well because it was already you take a film, a series like this, which is already an established series, it's like Power Rangers, it's been on for fucking years and years and years and years and years, which Robert Urke just quit the Power Rangers film to go work on Star Trek Three, fuck which you. is a blessing. I don't know, we'll see, we'll see how it turns out. Because he's the same person that worked on some of these Transformers movies that you don't like. Yeah, well, still, he might he might, he might have a, a leap of faith and do better, you know. But he did make Spider-Man 2, which I hear is not very good, but I'm going to watch it anyway. It's okay. It's not the best Amazing Spider-Man 2. Is anything better than Part 3? Yeah, you're right about that. I mean, you're right, you're right, Willis. You know, but, uh, yeah, but, yeah they, they would make key cuts. If this movie was a clean two hours tops and then they they just cut out a lot not a lot of the human aspect clearly some of the human aspect is really entertaining like the stuff with the parents and Totoro but brooding Shia LaBeouf oh they don't let me do anything he acts like he's fucking robotic and it's, it's not like you know that which which is a great great plot plot point in the original series where Spike became an Autobot you remember that episode right yeah Autobot Spike yeah it, they, they would have pulled something like that where he actually had a purpose, that would have been pretty dope. Right. But they, they didn't go there because they, they made Spike this hero character and they made Bumblebee do stuff now and that's not what Transformers is all about and that they're, they're going for that original run bullshit, the Generation 1 stuff. But, you know, wow, the people that went to go in to go to see these movies, either they have small kids who are now watching the Prime show and whatever else they have running right now and they're either watching that or their parents show them the Generation 1 episodes, which you've come to know and love. Now, if you're going off to those parents who, which this film is made for, you know, people, you, you're, you're like the, the, the 21 to, to 230 year old range. I mean, but then it gets paid for the small kids to, to sell the toys, of course, because if they're not, they're not selling toys, they're not doing anything. Right. But um, they would have made that geared towards that and actually gave you something that wasn't all whew, big explosions and... Men, not the, the the part where the, the I was waiting for the ball to get shot down, the the part where they they do the the, the falling from the sky thing, all, uh-huh. all, <laughs> I was like, where's the Decepticons? Pew, 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 pew. It'd, it'd be like quick drama garage, just shooting the motherfuckers down. <laughs> but it was so much stuff going on during that battle, they didn't have no time to really concentrate on them because they was all everywhere. Yeah. But they did get a hold of, of a couple of them, though. Yeah, they did. That was a that was a really interesting scene. That like I said, that that's the big shining point of the film was that last that last battle, like the last forty five minutes or so, was the big shining point of that film. Like you should, but you should start out with something too, and not just say, okay, now here's this big battle scene for you to enjoy. You know, I almost want to like click the next chapter, click the next chapter. You're in Chicago. Let's let's do this battle scene. And I don't need to watch any more of that movie. Any more of that movie at all. Because it doesn't do anything for me. Too cynical in your old age. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to be. That's not what I set out to do when we were gonna do this review. <laughs> but because people shit on Michael Bay a lot more than I do. I know. 
way, 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 way more than I do, you know. Uh-huh, they shit on him, uh, yet and still, they go see his movie. Mm, yeah, yeah, some of them do, yeah. I'm gonna complain because I don't like Michael Bay, but look how long Ninja Turtles stayed in the second spot. It stayed in the second spot for like a month and a half, and people was complaining about that. It was Guardians and Ninja Turtles for a month and a half, number one and number two. Because people made that Ninja Turtles movie to to sell toys and do to gear towards your somewhat nostalgic crowd, but mostly for your newest generation who are watching the Nickelodeon series. Uh huh. But nobody's really buying the toys for the movie. They buying the toys for the cartoon. Okay. But um, yeah. I guess we'll do ratings now. Um, one through ten, Willis. What do you give it? I get. I was going to give it a ten, but now since. I done seen it a couple times more. It then went down to an eight. Okay. Uh, I'm lower than that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give it a, a five, you know, because it's, it's very middle of the road, and it, that, that really reflects, it reflects on my rating. If they, they cut some stuff out, like I said before, I, I've, I've said all this before, I'm repeating myself. But, you know, for all the reasons I said, yeah, it gets a five. And the only thing that really saved that was, like I said, the scene at the end. And the, the the crazy parents who are always hilarious in these movies, you know, and you know, yeah, that that's that's it. And fuck Tyrese and Josh Duhamel too. I didn't mention those guys. Those guys are pretty useless too, you know. But um, yeah, I guess we'll <laughs> we'll leave it at that, and uh, we'll go right into ET right after this.
1975, he directed Jaws. In 1978, he directed Close Encounters of the Third Kind. In 1981, he directed Raiders of the Lost Ark. And now, Steven Spielberg brings us E.T., the Extraterrestrial. We will witness the arrival, the search, the desertion, the fear, the discovery, the friendship. I'm keeping him. The secret. The love. The warning. The signal. The mystery. The danger. The intrusion. The wonderment. The enchantment. The hope. The connection has been made. Universal Pictures presents Steven Spielberg's E.T. The Extraterrestrial. The Extraterrestrial from 1982. I was one year old when this movie came out, people. Uh, a troubled child summons the courage to help a family, a friendly alien escape Earth to return to his home world. And a lot of wackiness with the government ensues. And we'll, talk, we'll get into that real soon. Now, Willis, you, t- you told me long ago that you were afraid of this movie when you were a kid and it still kind of scares you now. It doesn't scare me. I just hate this movie. I don't see the point in it. I got to hear the story why it scared you, though, when you, when you were a kid, though. Mama said I had a thing about eyes. Something, anything with big eyes, I didn't like. So back in the day, they had this turtle, bath turtle thing. And it had big, gigantic eyes on it. I was guess I was about maybe like a year old. And my mom bought it for me because they said it was real good to have for the kid to play in the tub. So my mom said she bought it and put that thing in the tub with me. She said, I thought I had killed you because you start (laughs) crying your ass off. She was like, I don't know what it was. It's a she said your eye she just you just seen the thing with them eyes and you went off. So years later, E.T. came out, and she said one time I had went to a, a costume party, and somebody had the E.T. mask on, and they had to take me out of the costume part, the party because I was screaming so bad because they had the E.T. mask on. <laughs> oh, and it wasn't even one of them rubber joints. It was the old plastic with the um rubber string in the back. Well, like a, like the, the plastic smock costume? Uh huh. God. She was like, it was so bad off. I used to run away when I was in the store to go to the toy aisle. She said, I didn't do that for about a year and a half because I was scared to see ET in the aisle. Anything at ET, a flush doll and everything. And then my dad had a nerve to buy the goddamn Atari ET game 
and E.T. on the front of the box. And when you cut the game on the first face, you see is E.T. And I was done. <laughs> well, that's, never- that's, that's one that's one guy that bought that game, yeah. <laughs> yeah, did, did you ever see the – this is way off, that way off topic, but you brought up the video game. Did you ever see the episode of, of Code Monkeys where they made the game? Uh-uh. You, you ever watch Code Monkeys? I watched a couple of episodes here and there. Well, there was an episode. They had a whole E.T. episode where they – I forget the two main guys, the two main stoner guys on the in the show. They they made the game and they, they made a big old joke about it. I think there was like another one where they decided to make the biggest flop of all time, mm-hmm. which was something involving Nazis or something. Mm-hmm. And it was it was obscenely hilarious. And it was – I just thought that I'd bring that up if you guys ever watched Code Monkeys, and that, that was a show that was on the G4 channel, but they run them on Netflix now, so you can watch all the episodes if you want to, but this is a great companion piece of that video game, if i ever seen one, was the one where they got so stoned that they made the E.T. game from not even, never, never even seeing the movie or even seeing pictures of it, just <laughs> making the E.T. game for out of nowhere. But um, E.T. to me was uh, something I saw when I was little, you know, which I didn't get a lot of the themes you know, as I do now as an adult, which had me busted up laughing like, wow, the government really is fucking terrible fucking people. You know, but yeah, this movie was, was pretty special. I mean, it had a whole Michael Jackson backing to it. You know, I think he did a song or he, he endorsed E.T. or something. So that brought it to another level because Michael Jackson in 82 was a pretty big deal. And, um, yeah, the effects were good. The, the, the John Williams score was outst- still pretty outstanding, you know. The effects were too goddamn good. Yeah, it was very close. The the, the, the spaceship <laughs> was pretty pretty good close encounters, you know, it's it about that that size and then I think close encounters came out the same year, didn't it? It came out two or three years before. Okay, well they're these about the same effects for the thing. Uh, I thought that uh the, the the family was was cool, you know, you had the whole old, older brother, middle brother, little sister, uh, you know, with, with of course, you know, the the classic eighties Divorcee mom, you know, played by Dee Wallace, who's she's pretty cute in this movie, actually. I think, you know, but uh, that that was the classic '80s scene. We talked about that. Me and me and Emily talked about Little Monsters, about your classic '80s nuclear family, where you're either on the brink of divorce or you're already divorced. And this film played that up pretty good because it made Elliot look like he was uh, the loneliest kid on the planet because his brother shits on him because all he wants to do is play D and D with his brother and he won't let him and. He's got this little sister he always has to look after, so he has nobody really because his father is devoid. And so he goes out to his shed one night and he finds this little thing. And he, of course, is it's E.T. And he's becomes like his own personal pet. And, you know, chaos ensues. And E.T. drinks Coors beer and is probably one of the best endorsers for Coors beer ever, in my opinion. You know, that Nazi makes you laugh every time. A drunk Elliot in the classroom freeing all the frogs, you know. I lose you? No. Okay. Yeah, that, that, that scene there made me laugh every time. Um, uh, yeah, this is the film that basically made kids hate the government. The, the, you think, oh, wow, kids hate the government's really bad now. So, but no, we learned pretty fucking early from E.T. to hate the government. Because when, the, when they bust into that town all crazy style with their fucking funky suits on, their hazmat suits on coming to capture Elliot's best friend in the world, his only friend in the entire world, E.T. You really felt like, wow, these guys are real dicks because they're taking this this kid's friend away. And, you know, wow, that's kind of fucked up. But then, of course, you know, the the whole plot point of E.T. dying and then, you know, 
uh, Elliot miraculously figuring out, wow, I can save him with a plant. And then, you know, the plant grows back and, wow, E.T. is all better. And, you know, oh. Now, what did you think of when they did the the, the restoration where they changed all the guns and the walkie-talkies and shit? I don't think the movie should have ever been restored. They should have just kept it where it was. Uh, Period. uh, Just leave leave it in the vault. Never bring it back out. (laughs) This is a Spielberg joint, man. You know they're gonna bring it back out. They're gonna they're gonna milk that cow for all it's worth. Yes, a cow that does not need to be milked or anything. Just leave leave him where he at. Ugh. (laughs) I mean, I've seen some random toys that came out back in the day. What makes you laugh the most is the. I think it's the vibrating E.T. finger. No, it's a light in it. There's <laughs> a light in the finger, but uh-huh. it looks like a fucking giant fucking sex toy. That's exactly what it looks like. <laughs> giant brown dong. <laughs> oh no, but this this was I'd imagine I was I wasn't I wasn't even relevant back in '82, but I'd imagine the marketing campaign for this film and the toys that came out and the product Reese's placement, fucking pieces. Reese's fucking pieces. <laughs> That's another thing because he was endorsing Reese's pieces. His ugly ass would just show up on a commercial out of nowhere and scare the shit out of me (laughs) on the TV. You see that damn finger come up and that big ass head. Man, fucking E.T. I hate E.T. Reese's pieces. I can remember the toys. They had a little spaceship. Wind up spaceship and a little E.T. pop out of it. It had an E.T. with a head go up and down. And he walked and they had a plush doll and oh, comic. They had coloring books and everything of this ugly ass goddamn thing on the TV. I bet you really loved it. That scene in Critters where the Critter was talking to the plush E.T. and he fucking bit his head off, you know? Yes, yes, I did. <laughs> no, no, man, this film for me, yeah, I, I think it's really special. A lot of the scenes really hold up. You know, it, 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 the plot, you, the plot of the film, you wouldn't think there'd be much of a plot in ET, but if you watch it as an adult, you start putting pieces together. It's about a boy and his dog. Yeah, it basically is a boy and his pet who, you know, is he has no idea how to take care of much, much like a, a young boy and a dog would would have a dog would, you know. You gotta train a dog, but you're not gonna train an alien to do anything, because aliens is gonna get into trouble. And you know, and this this alien in particular was stealing shit from the house <laughs> to to make his uh his very you know his his communication device for for them to come down and get him basically. So he didn't want to be there at all. He was just, he was just like, okay, I'm going through the motions. I'm gonna steal this asshole speaking spell and do something with that. Which you know, this was. I think it was worse in the, in the other movie I'll talk about in a second, but, you know, the product place in this movie was all over the place. You had Speak and Spell. You had the Reese's Pieces. You had Coors Beer. I forget which pizza company they were, they, they, they were having all the time, but I think it might have been a Domino's. No, it wasn't Domino's. It probably was Pizza because Domino's wasn't even out back then. It probably was Pizza Hut, yeah, because they were, they, were, they were relevant in this film. I think there was a couple of scenes where they were eating pizza, pizza, you know, because mom's got to work and mom's a divorcee and mom, 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 <laughs> who was not existed through this whole movie. This this is the Rugrats of, of children's films, you know, because the, 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 the parents would leave the Rugrats alone with grandpa who would immediately fall asleep. 
and then the Rugrats would get in trouble. This is no exception. You have a bunch of foul-mouthed kids living in this house with the mother away all the time just getting into stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, what are we doing? We're going to run for the government on our bikes, and we can outrun these cars. And all of a sudden, we're not going to make it. And then, of course, you get the great scene where you get the Amblin logo from where they, they fly across the moon on their bicycles, <laughs> you know? Which looks, looks – you think it would look really stupid on Blu-ray? Like, wow, this looks really dated. But that scene, the scene where, where E.T.'s making the, the clay balls float, stuff like that looks really, really wonderful on Blu-ray. But you'd think it would look really stupid because, you know, wow, these are really dated effects. And, you know, this looks really, really bad. But, no, it looks really, really great on Blu-ray. And that's just one of those – one of those probably right there in the AFI top 100 scenes of all time – of them flying across the moon face, you know, in E.T., you know. I think that the movie that you should be bitching about is the film that that, that begat E.T., that that came after E.T., which was Mac and Me. You know, I have fucking flick. I can go for an hour about Mac and Me, but I'm not going to. And that's the one that is um, addicted to Coca-Cola. Yeah, he's addicted to Coca-Cola. He's addicted to Skittles. And McDonald's and food. McDonald's and that 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 film with the with the price with the with the product placement was even worse because they have a whole fucking dance party scene at McDonald's in that movie, with Ronald McDonald in tow. And yeah. <laughs> so if you think ET's bad, go watch Mac and Me one time and then we'll talk about it. Okay. <laughs> I know that movie is just a straight knockoff of damn. Oh, it is. It pulls no qualms about being a knockoff either, because everything in that movie. With the exception of Mac and Me's family actually being on Earth, is is pretty much a blatant ripoff of E.T. <laughs> Except E.T. doesn't dance in a bear suit, and you know, perhaps he, he should. He couldn't because his legs are too damn stubby. <laughs> He'd just be bouncing around and shit, you know. Uh huh. Oh man, yeah, Mac and Me's fucking terrible. But for some reason, it's a movie I've seen fifty times. So don't don't ask me why. <laughs> I was flabbergasted as a child at Mac and Me, and I still, if somebody said, hey, Mac and Me's on channel 148, I'll give it a view, you know. <laughs> I don't know why I'm watching Mac and Me, but I'm going to watch it anyway, because nostalgia kicks in, much like the love I had for the Garbage Pail Kids movie, you know. It's real dumb, but for some reason I can't look away, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. But yeah, E.T.'s great. It's, it's the film that, uh, Maybe hate Peter Coyote and everything because he played your head government guy that wanted to take E.T. away. And, of course, kids outsmart the government, too, because they're kids. The, the feisty kids in this movie, they, they can steal stuff and outsmart the government and steal government vans. And there is no consequence to their actions at all. <laughs> if this... You know how I would have ended the movie? The part when E.T. died? That would have been the end that of the movie. the end of the movie. Well, that's when I cut it off. Willis, when he dies, I was like, that's my ending to E.T. I don't need to watch the rest. Willis just wipes his hands like, that's enough of that. You know? I've done my job. When he's pale and white and dead and they carry him off, that would have been the end of the movie. I wish they would have made the real version of E.T. that they was going to make. What was that? He explained this to me. It was supposed to be called Night. They were supposed. It was. He was supposed to be a sequel. Uh, the original script was supposed to be. Et was running from these other aliens from his planet that was trying to take over the world, and they were mean and nasty looking, and they was always torturing Et. Mm. 
It was called Night Skies. Eva was the sequel or the original idea. Uh, what happened was, I think it was supposed to be, I think Night Skies was supposed to be the sequel. And E.T. was supposed to come back. But it was a whole bunch of other aliens. His brothers that was on the ship was evil and they was killing cows and all kind of stuff. It's a book you can buy. I forgot. I think it's called The Unmade Movies of Hollywood or something like that. Mm-hmm. They got all the movies that was supposed to have a sequel and didn't have it. I think you can get it off of eBay or something like that. Okay, I have to check that out. I'll put the, the link in the show notes if I, if I find it. And uh, you guys would like to check that out. It sounds very interesting to me to see all the films that were supposed to be made. I know Master of the Universe was a big one that was supposed to be made into a sequel. Then they basically recycled the sets for Jean-Claude Van Damme's Cyborg movie and recycled the script. And they recycled everything for the Cyborg movie yeah. that was supposed to be the Master of the Universe sequel. And that, um, yeah, I don't know if that hurt or, or helped the film, but... That was supposed to happen because, of course, he's skeleton up the end. I'll be back, or a fuck you said, or you know. Yeah, he said I'll be back. Yeah. And he did come back, not in movie form, in cartoon form, because after that movie came out, um, the New Adventures of He Man came out, so he did come back. And that was some trash. So we're not gonna talk <laughs> yes, about <it> that. <laughs> we're talking about a good He Man. So he was talking about that later when they they canceled too abruptly, you know. But that's that's another story. That's another show. But uh. Um, yeah, as far as this movie goes, though, it's, it's, it's a product of its time. People were, were obsessed with, with kids doing stuff. If you want to pick another great Henry Thomas movie who plays Elliot in this movie, you could pick Cloak and Dagger, which is a film I can't get enough of. Either you know what it is or you don't, but it basically tells a story about a kid who loves, like, 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 uh, dice rolling, like, uh, RPG games. Yeah. And his hero is played by Dabney Coleman, who plays his father, named Jack 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 Flack, and he basically gets to this whole espionage story that where he's actually being chased by real killers and he has a game cartridge that has secret military plans in it. And, you know, it's a really entertaining film if you've never seen it before. It's got a fat, chunky William Forsyth in it playing a computer nerd, and you wouldn't know it if you think you really looked at him and said, Wow, that's William Forsyth. And you know, it's 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 really entertaining, and Dabney Coleman's mustache is in full effect in that movie, baby. <laughs> he's looking cool with that beret on, and I, that's like my favorite Dabney Coleman ever is in that movie, you know. But um, yeah, and of course, that he made Psycho Four, then nothing is forgiven for Psycho Four. But uh, t- that, that's what he was grown, Henry Thomas. But if you want to watch a good grown Henry Thomas film, watch Suicide Kings. Cause that's a it's got a good cast, and I really enjoy him in that movie, and um. But as far as E.T. goes, yeah, like I said, great score. It really it really holds up to me. I'm not scared of it like Willis's. <laughs> the stuff that's scary back in the day, you probably would have had Willis busted up laughing because I was a little bitch back in the days. But this is a film that I can turn on that I can show if, if I had any kids. I ain't got no kids to speak of, but I have little nieces and nephews that I can show this to. And they might be fascinated by it. And I, I got to respect a film like that, that that holds up for 30 plus years that I can show to an eight-year-old child, they might really enjoy themselves from watching it. And, and uh, yeah, that's that's about my, my piece on E.T. Because a lot of stuff's been said about E.T. And, you know, not on this show, but, yeah, that's that's about it for me. Anything else you want to say about it, Willis? E.T. can go straight to hell <laughs> in a handbasket. <laughs> <laughs> you thought I was harsh, Willis. See? But, uh, yeah, ratings, I guess. What do you give it, Willis, one through ten? For what type of movie it is. It's a mar- it's a classic that everybody loves. 
I hate the fuck out of it. I can't rate this movie because my feeling of the movie is a zero. <laughs> what's, but, what's the technical standpoint of the film? The technical <laughs> standpoint is a a nine. Okay. Yeah, I, I gotta say that, you know, for as good as it holds up, you think I'm gonna say a ten, but I'm not gonna give it a ten because it's not it's not Spielberg's finest film to me. It's 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 right up there with one that people know and that people remember. I mean, it's right there on the fucking Amblin logo, you know. So that's what people know it. People, if you know people know it, people know what that Amblin Amblin logo looks like, you know. Mm-hmm. With the the freaking bike flying through the moon, you know, and yeah, for the iconic scenes, for the, the kind of lackluster acting performances, but they they were young, so whatever, you know. For the fact that I still get teary eyed in the end sometimes when you know. Gertie's got to say goodbye to E.T., played by Drew Barrymore, and you know, I still get a little little, little weepy towards the end there because I, I feel a little something-something. You know, and there's not many films that can do it for me. There's there's that film, there's The Green Mile, the end of The Green Mile does that to me, not the very end, but when um, Mike Clark Duncan's about to get executed, you know, he, he wants to tell William Sadler so bad that he didn't do it, but he couldn't do it because, you know, then it, what's the point and all that stuff, and that's, that, that's, that does it for me. There's certain, there's certain movies out there, and this is one of them where the end really really uh, hits the old core zone, and, you know, yeah. Oof. Rough. <laughs> mm-hmm. But he does. It's not, it's not Cocoon the Return. He doesn't come back eventually. Like I said, we, he, he didn't get a sequel. But, um, yeah, for all those reasons, uh, it, gets a, it gets eight for me. You know, it's, it's not perfect, but it's right up there in the echelon of films I loved from when I was a kid, and uh, eight it is. But, uh... Right after this, we'll come back and we'll close out the show. Hey, this is Wild Man Willis here. This is my YouTube page. Come look at my shows. We'll do old school reviews on toys and new video game reviews and new movie reviews. Peace! gloves. I like them cheesy, I like them gritty, I like them campy, I love them all. He married Christine, she hates them. I think they're senseless and upsetting. Listen in as he searches through shelves of DVDs, VHS, and Blu-ray. There are too many of these movies on the shelves. We need to just start getting rid of them. In his never-ending quest to convert his lovely wife to the dark side. (laughs) Come to the dark side. In Christy Christie's Looking for something to fill that deep horrible, dirty void inside, then look no further than the podcast Under the Stairs. Join your host, Duncan McLeish, and guests as they dissect horror films old and new. No film is too gory. No film is too scary. No film is too violent for the podcast Under the Stairs. The podcast Under the Stairs can be found at podcastunderthestairs.wordpress.com or on iTunes. The Podcast Under the Stairs is a proud member of the League of Extraordinary Podcasts. To avoid fainting, keep repeating to yourself, it's only a podcast. It's only a podcast. It's It's only only a a podcast. podcast. 
Well, Willis, I'm glad to have you back on Cinema Beef after all this time. It's been a long time. Yeah. Not like we haven't been podcasting. No, but still, this this one this one has a, it's been a long time, and it's always yeah. something special when you come on a show I produce. So you know, when Gil is the main producer on the Gil does all the work for Two Drink Minimum Commentaries. By the way, guys, Gil is uh, he's my rock man, my Scottish rock, who does all the, the important stuff for that show. I just collect the peoples. I, I lay it out for him to play it out. So you know, that's that's how that show works. So if you see Gil, give him a hug. Okay, that's all I'm saying because he. He works hard and he gets very little sleep by, by his choice. He, he didn't go to sleep. He's, a, he's an insomniac freak, you know. But, um, yeah, Willis, uh, tell the folks what you got coming up, if anything good, if you know anything that you got coming up, man. Um, I'm going to be back on a guest star and appearance on the movie podcast weekly. We're going to be reviewing Tusk. And I have my YouTube channel out now. Well, I'm doing old school toy reviews, movie reviews, and pay-per-view reviews, whatever shit is on my mind at that point in time. Okay. Um, yeah, they, they can find you on Terror Trip, like I said. They can find you on that podcast. You yep. can find him as a regular on um, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries. And uh, the No Fucking Way Commentaries. And the No Fucking Way Commentaries as well. That of that other commentary show. Now I wouldn't say that like that. It's the <laughs> other. It's, it's the other commentary show. No, duty. Duty works hard. I God bless them. You know. Yeah. I just can't do horror all the time. That's it's it's not fun to be do horror all the time. If we if we don't do Porky's eventually, I'm gonna cry. So you know, there there you go. It's, 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 <laughs> but um, yeah. Uh, where can they find on the social medias, man? Nasty Will DC and Willis Will on Facebook. Yeah, you, you you can find me on um Twitter at GW. Uh, come join the Cinnabee Facebook group. Uh, come like the bird the beard page or the the bird will come and peck your eyeballs out all the way from fucking Newcastle because she 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 can grow wings people and she'll uh she'll come down on you man. She got the mean streaks now. She don't though. She's a real sweetheart. I, I love the bird. You know, <laughs> but uh, um yeah. If you got the thing going on, I got like I got a couple reviews. One from Nudie. Which I, I need to read, but I, I I'll have it popped up right now, so I'll read it next time. But thanks for the review for Cinnamon Beef Nudie. You're you're in the running to win one of the four things I have for you people to win. I've only had one so far, so get up off your butts and go to iTunes. I'll try to put the direct link up on the Facebook group and on on uh, my Facebook page, my homepage, to uh, for you guys to review Sausage Fest reviews, The Bird and the Beard, or Cinnamon Beef podcast. I don't think that um. The two drink, two drink minimum commentaries on iTunes. So you have to download it directly. But if you want to leave me a comment on either the Cinnamon Beef wall or on the Bird in the Beard wall or on my personal wall, I will put you in the running for uh, the prize as well. Which uh, one of which is a Jeffrey Combs autograph, another of which is a Charles Band autograph, which he gave to us on a mini poster for for you lovely listeners. Another is a an a Blu-ray um, that I can send you guys. Another is a vintage. Dark Crystal movie card set, which is a film that just got put out by Terror Troop. We reviewed it was a pretty good review. Yeah. So if you guys go to terrortroop.com, you guys can look for that episode. Boss Butcher works his ass off to put those episodes out. So show him some love, and show us some love because we really love talking about Dark Crystal. Although I kind of shed on it a little bit, you know. But that's that's how I do things. I love, I take classic movies and I pull a Willis Wheeler out of ET and shit all over him sometimes, you know. <laughs> and um. Yeah, that's about it on my end. Uh, do all that, and you could be moderately happy. That's all we really want anyway. I don't need to be, hey, good morning. 
hey, have a good day. Hey, have an adequate day. That's all I want. Adequate. It's, just, it's fine with me. But um, this is where I'll leave you guys. My next guest should be uh, Vaughn from the Motion Picture Massacre. We will be covering the John Hughes classic, The Breakfast Club, and the trauma-produced, crazy, dick-getting-shot-off movie, misogynistic, crazy, stupid fucking piece of shit known as The Taint. And if you haven't seen The Taint, listen to the next show, and you will decide for yourself if you want to watch that movie or not. It's very silly and crazy, and uh, we'll hear all about it on the next episode of Cinema Beef. And uh, you know, here always at the Cinema Beef Podcast, if you got beef, I've got the grinder. See you guys soon. This looks familiar. Vaguely familiar. It's almost unreal yet. It's too soon to feel yet. Close to my soul And yet so far away I'm going to go back there someday Sunrises, night falls Sometimes the sky calls Is that a song there? And do I Just 